Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good afternoon. Scott Luton back with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. We've got a big show lined up. On today's episode, we're continuing our popular logistics with Purpose Series, powered by our dear friends over at Vector Global Logistics. And hey, this series is all about folks that are leaders and organizations, really, that are on a noble mission to change the world in one way, shape, or form. And, and this episode is going to live up to that for sure. So stay tuned as we look to increase your business leadership IQ. Quick programming note before we get started. Hey, if you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to find Supply Chain Now wherever you get your podcast from. Subscribe for free so you don't miss conversations like this. I want to welcome in our special co-hosts here today, Enrique Alvarez and Christy Porter with Vector Global Logistics. Enrique, Christy, how are we doing? It's great. Always a pleasure, Scott. Always a pleasure. And as always, we should have been recording the pre-show. There's always some neat nuggets that come out. <laughs> and I hope we get all of that in the next uh, 45 60 minutes or so, but really enjoyed it and got a special guest. So really appreciate both of y'all bringing Megan McCamey to the show, president at uh, Go Beyond Profit. Megan, how are we doing? Oh, we're doing great. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. We are too. We're all, I think the three of us are all big fans of what Go Beyond Profit is doing, you know, helping businesses become a greater force for good. Uh, since 2017, we talked about eliminating those barriers so business leaders can learn from each other. And if any year has has needed that in right. spades, it's been 2020. So we look forward to diving into that in a minute. But we got to get some good stuff to get to first, don't we, Christy and Enrique? <laughs> so let's find out a little bit more about Megan McCamey. So tell us, Megan, where'd you grow up? And give us, give us an anecdote or two about your upbringing. So I grew up in the northern part of Virginia, and for anybody who is from that part of town, I was the last stop on the orange line, which is important to know what stop you are on Metro. And that meant a lot of our life uh, was, it was in DC. So we spent a lot of time going into the capital and understanding both Virginia history and, and uh, national, the national landscape, because we were so tucked in there. It was uh, a really different, place to grow up, but super exciting. So I got to ask you, uh, yeah. DC is such, as we all know, uh, <laughs> so much, <laughs> so much history there. Let's I'll stay on the positive side. Yeah, there you go. What's, what is your one favorite, whether it's a portion of the city or a monument or a park, what's your favorite part about Washington DC? Ah, that one's so easy. I used to try to sneak up on Metro from the time I was a teenager to the Lincoln Monument. And in fact, my favorite place to be was to sit on the steps at night over the reflection pools. It's just one of the most serene places you can find. Sounds powerful. Paints a, a pretty picture. So clearly moving right along. So go beyond profit, which we're going to learn more about here momentarily. But it's, yeah. if you can't tell already, it's it's big on service and serving others and serving the community and serving the greater good. So who, you know, Megan, if you think back through you, those formative years, was there one mentor or family member or someone, you know, in your, in your village that yeah. helped to really cultivate that sense of service? 
You know, that was a great question for me to, to think about, to try to pinpoint, because I'll be honest, I've had tons in my adult life that have shaped how this looks, like what does it look like to activate as an adult? But the one that I think really shaped me in my younger years was a man named Bill Coleman. And I'm not sure how many people really know who he is, but he was the Secretary of Transportation. He was one of the first Black clerks to the U.S. Supreme Court. He was a founding civil rights leader, and he happened to be my dad's boss, boss, boss when I was a kid. And I had a history project. I was supposed to pick a time in history and become well-versed and interview somebody that had been there. And I picked civil rights movement and got a chance to go interview him with like a press tape recorder and an actual microphone. And it was honestly one of the most transformative conversations because- he really, he really showed me that your entire professional life can be about transforming the world, improving people's lives. Like, it, you know, it doesn't have to be a side project. I mean, his, he used all of his professional skills throughout his entire life to imagine making things better. And that was a light bulb moment for me. Clearly. Wow. Bill Coleman. Can look him up. And I love that notion I remember in my childhood interviewing, whether it's my grandparents about World War II or or different folks in the church, you know, having those historical eureka moments and, and the, the power of a, what a conversation can do. So thanks so much for sharing Bill Coleman's impact on your journey. All right. So Christy, where are we going next? Yeah, I, Megan, I've only really known you the last few years as part of Go Beyond Profit. So if you would tell us a little bit more about your professional background, and I know you've shared this personal eureka moment, if you have one or two professional ones that you could share with us as well. Yeah, sure. Thanks for asking. You know, when I got out of my, my career has actually followed this whole conversation around business and purpose and social impact. When I got out of college, there was this false dichotomy. You either saved the planet and went into the nonprofit world and never made money or you, right. Or you went into the business world and you made money and you were not about anything, you know, saving the planet. And you had to make this choice and it was a false choice, but it was sort of this choice you had to make. So you know, I I went the nonprofit route and came down here and started with a brand new organization at the time called Hands On Atlanta, which was trying to revolutionize the way that people could actually volunteer. And I had the complete privilege of working with icons at the time, even now, uh, Bernie Marcus of the Home Depot and Roberta Gazueta of Coca-Cola. And we were reimagining what companies could do about volunteerism. And it was the start of corporate volunteerism and and engagement for companies. And then I got pulled into joint ventures and mergers and acquisitions and social enterprises um, where nonprofits and businesses collaborated. And then into sort of the corporate footprint of how do you have a social impact as an actual business model? And the one that really sort of changed things for me was working at a firm that's now called Denton's where we decided to tackle human trafficking across the entire footprint of the firm and realized that every layer of that firm could put their professional engine to work to either represent women who were facing false charges or change legislation or really honestly volunteer for local fire stations taking in women who were facing that violence. It was amazing, right, to to see an entire corporate engine going after something that important. And it, um, it, it made me realize that 
business has this incredible potential outside of building great jobs, creating economic stability for people, which is fundamentally crucial. It has this ability to really transform our lives and, and be incredible engines for good. And, and so, yeah, and, and that's when I, you know, ran into Rick Jackson and the CEO of Jackson Healthcare and his idea of wanting to help his peers imagine what was possible for each of their businesses. Yeah, that's incredible. Thank you. I've already found several things that we need to talk offline about because we have a lot of good things in common. Um, but that sort of brings us current with Go Beyond Profit. And you've already mentioned Rick Jackson. If you would talk about some of the other founders and staff, because there's a an, an immense amount of names and decision makers and people that we all uh, know and admire on the list of the ambassadors, the board, the staff of Go Beyond Profit. So tell us a little bit more about them and where Go Beyond Profit came from and what you guys do. And then I'd also love to hear just what they've inspired in you or what you've learned from them regarding serving others and driving change. Well, I, I will tell you, it is. It's an incredibly impressive group of people. And, and Rick Jackson, as the founder, has a tremendous personal story that he brings to it and and his life in Georgia. But the thing that really drew me to this group of people was their authenticity. They have run successful businesses, whether you're Frank Blake of Home Depot, Paul Bowers of Georgia Power, or Juanita Barranco of, you know, Barranco Automotive, or Rick Jackson. They've run businesses for decades, but they authentically believe that operating your business in fundamentally generous ways is the cornerstone of successful business. And they mean it from business value as much as they mean it from community impact. And, you know, they've navigated trends. This has been decades-long leadership in the business community, and they've seen it as fundamental to a successful business. And that's what's inspiring to me. I mean, they've been in the trenches of keeping a business profitable while also making sure it has a sustainable, positive impact for its people and its communities. They know what they're talking about, and this is core to them. Um, so that's honestly why I get up in the, you know, what I get up every day, right, is um, to try to take all of that core learning and, and the new conversations we're having with today's business leaders and really share that learning. How do we look at the different ways companies of all sizes operate generously to improve people's lives while they secure profitability? It's, it, it, it's not an either or. And it's, uh, it's exciting. So yeah, so that was the people behind Go Beyond Profit. The authenticity was the driver behind they wa- why they wanted to do it. And today, yeah, we started with the hopes and the aspirations of a few and a pledge for business leaders, for presidents and CEOs to say that I will pledge to operate my business in a way that is generous to people and community. And we now have over 900. And That's exciting, you know, that 900 CEOs or founders or presidents have all pledged to operate their companies this way. It's also humbling because there's hundreds of thousands more that of peers that we would like to welcome to this alliance to learn from each other. And as you said, Scott, in the beginning, hopefully inspire one another in the ways that they can conduct business. Mm -hmm. Love that. And just to clarify, it, it's it's free to join from what I saw. You've got, you've got to make the pledge yeah. that to your yeah. point, you're going to operate the business in a generous manner, uh, yep. doing good and, and driving positive change. That's that's the main requirement, right? 
It absolutely is. So that's one of the incredible gifts, honestly, of leading this initiative. It's a, it's a venture that's fully funded by its founders. We will never ask a company to divert funds to, to anything. It is up to you as a president or CEO to determine how your company best operates generously and to deploy your funds in that way. But we offer all of our resources and events and, and peer insights and recognition at no cost. The hope wow. from our ambassadors and founders is that when there's no barrier, as you said in the beginning, perhaps we can bring everybody to the conversation. Mm. So, uh, Christy, I may have stolen your question because uh, we—I know we're we're defining what go beyond profit does, right? Yeah, I know. I didn't get right into the nuts and bolts, did I, Christy? No, that's <laughs> okay. It's all, it, everything has been good so far. So I'm just listening, probably like our listeners. Even though I've I've read the website and been a part of the organization for a couple of years, it's always good to hear it straight from you. And we're still only only Georgia companies right now, right? Is there plans to go beyond Georgia? Go beyond profit? Oh. Beyond Georgia? <laughs> Yeah, we feel pretty strongly that we have a lot more to prove here in Georgia. There's so many other companies. We we wanted to create the sense of a statewide effort in which companies in one footprint are aligning, they are an alliance coming together. And if we could prove the power of that in Georgia, then perhaps it could replicate. And we certainly would offer anything that we do to other states that wanted to do so. But for the moment, if you have any operations in Georgia, any footprint or people in Georgia, you are invited to join at at no cost. But yeah, Scott, the, the ways we try to do it, the the, the ways we try to help our CEOs are one, and I know we'll talk about it later, is research. We've done a lot of good research into the mindset of executives on the topic of corporate generosity. We've done a great deal of research into the mindsets of employed Georgians. What do they want? What do they need? What are they asking from their companies? We do CEO interviews where we talk one-on-one and hope to get those real nuggets and and granular ways of operating that other people might be able to implement as well. Used to do events, now we do some virtual conversations and also lots of good weekly content. We have a, a pretty robust LinkedIn channel where you can see articles from peers, you can see research from others, you can see our research. It's a good place to kind of get that nuts and bolts on a weekly basis. Love that. And I hear you, you had a, he, he's not gonna, he's, he, he's not gonna speak up, but I hear you had one really interesting of many CEO interviews here recently, Megan. I, you know what? It was a fascinating one. I hope everybody will go to our LinkedIn, go beyond profit and find the recent interview we did with Enrique Alvarez, uh, the co-founder of Vector Logistics, because it's a phenomenal interview. There's some great snippets from the interview itself, but also some real insight into into how to do this in a meaningful way throughout your business. As the person in charge of marketing for Vector, I will also reiterate, we'd love to go check it out. (laughs) We're very proud of him and uh, all the company and the team has done so far. Well, if if I could just add a quick editorial, because authenticity, Megan, as you pointed out, is so important. So important, arguably never, never more important, right? In so many different ways. And as you describe the companies you work with and the leaders you work with, you know, immediately the culture of Vector comes to mind and, and and really that meaningful, practical way of how can we help. 
And that comes from a very authentic place. And I've seen it time and time again through this, this logistics with purpose series. So Christy and Enrique, good stuff there. And I, I love the synergy. I'm so glad that I came across Go Beyond Profit because it's, it looks like there's a wonderful community of like-minded business leaders that also want to do good and, and really move the needle, uh, Megan. And that, that's, that's really empowering and refreshing and, and um, makes you want to jump out of bed in the morning, doesn't it? Sure does. And it's exciting to tell the stories and, and hopefully inspire others on all the different ways it's possible. All right. So Christy, I think we asked earlier on kind of the, the makeup of the board and the staff at Go Beyond Profit. We were talking pre-show about some of the, when you rub elbows with, with you know, great people and, and servant leaders and folks that really make things happen. You know, I, I certainly will raise my hand. I've stolen lots of, of best practices and, and tips and tricks from those. But we're, uh, Enrique, Christy, and I were kind of curious, Megan, what uh, you've mentioned a couple of those, those folks on your board, on your staff. What else? What's one, one approach you've really admired here in your time as president? You know, the one that jumps out at me was an interview I did with uh, Juanita Barranco when she looked at a, issue and you could have had sort of a negative lens to it and she turned it into a powerful positive as a business. So she owns automobile uh, stores and she had a school, a high school next to her parking lot. And every day she was getting keyed and it was costing her a tremendous amount of money and it was very frustrating. And she sort of had two choices in her mind early in her career. She could, you know, do the cameras and the dogs and the police and the security and and that approach and get young people arrested and, and handle it that way. Or she could walk over to the school and say, how are we going to develop a positive partnership so that these young people have something more beneficial to do than come over here and key my cars? And she developed a now over 30-year-old relationship with that high school. She did internships. She did automotive sort of after-school lessons with the, with the kids in the school. She developed this really strong partnership that strengthened the young people in that school. And some of those kids, 30 years later, they're still working for her. Wow. She, it's a powerful story of how you can flip a problem on its head and imagine how you can be a part of a really incredible solution. And I think that's where businesses with all the great, I don't know, the deliberateness of business and how you can look at problems and solutions. I think that's a great example of how that mindset can bring about an incredible outcome for everybody involved. I love that. And, and I know we're going to talk about more examples in a minute, but yeah. Christy and Enrique, Christy, we'll start with you. What that powerful story and, and that unique and different approach and creative approach. You know, when most folks would have picked up the phone and and called the authorities, right? And that enlightened approach of really how can we have a create a win from, for all here? Christy, what what do you love about that? Well, I'm actually reading The Go Giver right now. I don't know if you've ever read that book. It's an incredible book about generosity and business, and it's a short little read, so I highly recommend it. But it reminds me a lot of that book, that story does, because it's all about how can you give value to others and how, without necessarily putting yourself first, how can you just bring value to a situation, to a person, to a company, to anything around you. And so I think that's how she looked at something as not just a problem, but what's a creative solution to it and how, you know, it didn't take where a lot of us might take a defensive stance. She took an offensive one and was like, how can we make this 
you know, problem into a solution. How can we make things better and work for all of us rather than to, you know, kids attacking my business or, you know, looking at everything in a very self-centered type way and making it all about you and your problems and your profitability and your business and everything, but really looking at it from a community centric standpoint and how to bring value to the lives of others, which would also inherently bring value to her own life and her own business as well. So reminded me a lot of what I'm reading right now, but it's an amazing story. The no, go-giver. Yeah. Add that to the list, Christy. Enrique, really quick, before we, I know you're going to talk about some more examples with Megan, but out of that first one with Ms. Barranco, what, what, what stood out to you? Yeah, no, it's an incredible and very powerful story, right? I mean, and I think that everyone, every one of us, or at least me, they fa- you always face that kind of question. Do you want to go and try to pursue this in a more aggressive way and try to complain and get angry and fight and try to put people on their bars or whatever? I mean, and or you can just try to be a more empathic and try to understand why where they're coming from and why they're doing what they're doing and try to kind of build the bridge with the people that are probably not thinking like you're thinking. And so I think it's not only powerful, as I mentioned before, but I think it's just very telling of the times that we're living too, right? I mean, with media and what happened last year and the pandemic and politics, and it seems that everyone is really trying to defend their their own stances at all costs, as opposed to just, listen, we're all in the same planet. We're all humans. We're all living in the same communities. Why don't we just leave some of these aside and try to communicate with each other, which it seems that that's what Ms. Branco did. And, and, and I'm guessing that the results were not only more effective and more powerful, but of course, the return on the investment now kind of drilling it down to like why we at Vector do this. It just it's a great thing to do, but it's also very selfish. Operating under this kind of mindset gives us the more benefits than and it's a it's a higher return on or on our investment on our time so this it's a great example i i love it well said so, well let, let's keep let's keep getting some more out more examples out what, what you say enrique yes no please hey megan first and foremost thank you so much i had an amazing conversation with patty the other day and i appreciate everything you guys do and and again for us it's just a pleasure to to be part of such a vibrant and dynamic community like uh, the one you described. And, and you mentioned earlier today that there's about 900. So you're approaching the 1,000 uh, number. So could you give us a little more examples of the companies that are on that very selective and amazing list of people? Yeah. You know, I love I love to bring up companies that are of all different sizes and quite frankly, all around the state, because one of the promises of Go Beyond Profit, right, is that regardless of the size of your company, you're welcome to this conversation. Your business can be a powerful force for good if you have five employees or 5,000 or 50,000. So some of my favorite examples, there's a pecan farmer, Sunnyland Farms in Albany, Georgia. And, uh, Two things they do that are just remarkable to me. One, when they're not in the fields or processing the pecans, they've decided to keep their staff full-time and they go into the local schools. And that had to shift a bit with the pandemic, but they still they still decide to be 12-month employees and focus on the kids in their community. Tremendous, right? And then in terms of their sourcing and supply chain, Part of their pies are developed by a bakery that they selected that only hires women coming out of addiction. Really? Like, right? I, I mean, that, that pie just tasted better as a result, no matter what. Um, yes, of course. <laughs> or you've got, you know, Athens, Georgia. Uh, you can find Creature Comforts uh, Brewing 
anywhere, right? You can have a good Creature Comforts beer in any grocery store. But what's remarkable about them is they have this collaborative model where they've invited local businesses to pool resources together and solve what are the most pressing needs in Athens. And it started out with 10 companies and they all came together and they created a marketing plan called Get Comfortable. And they, some, you know, donated products or services, others donated money. Now there are over 60 companies just in Athens alone and they, they do it together. They come together, small businesses, large businesses in Athens and affect real change together. It's amazing, right? Like that collaborative model moves the needle. Another one that I'm super intrigued by, we're going to have a blog out later this week. You were talking about the the shifts and changes of, of 2020. Gas South, which is a tremendous example. They have a be a fuel for good purpose statement. They've got a longstanding culture of volunteerism. But even that company with an established sense of corporate character looked at what broke in 2020 and imagined how they should build back very differently. They didn't say, gosh, these traditional ways of doing things, we just got to get back to the traditional. They're really reimagining what community engagement and in particular employee well-being means. And they're willing to be fundamentally questioning what generosity looks like for them as a company. That takes that takes a lot of courage and creativity when you've got established programs that that kind of broke and being willing to acknowledge that and and redo. It's exciting. I, I hope folks will go take a look at the blog because they've got some really good tactical ways that they're gonna they're gonna change the way they they care. One quick aside before we keep driving there, Enrique, because you know we we heavy dose of authenticity. We all agree how important that is. And then Megan, you just talked about how acknowledging some of the failures and the breakdowns that we have. I think I've seen a lot of social media conversations here lately around the powerful concept that some leaders embrace of acknowledging failure and really embracing it and being willing to discuss it so that others can learn and then learning a very meaningful way. And, and I think, you know, we can't talk enough around here around silver linings from the pandemic, you know, cause there's so many otherwise, but that, I think that if that sticks, if that, sticks, if, if recognition of, uh, you know, the workforces across multiple industries from healthcare to supply chain and beyond that have, have really just kept us all moving, you know, safe and moving ahead. And there, there's some great silver linings, but talking about failure can be a very empowering and, and powerful approach to leadership. Would you agree, Megan? You know, not only would I agree, I would tell you that our poll of employed adults last fall really raised that up. It's hard. I get that it's hard as a leader when you recognize that your job is to keep moving things forward. It's hard to admit when that didn't go well. Right. Something that you try. (laughs) Right. That's hard. Um, But I think it's a real it's a really important element to the empathy that and the authenticity that employees and and consumers are looking for from leaders and now more than than ever. We noticed it in our research. We we got a lot of powerful insights from it. And I think admitting when you when when there's something you need to learn from is honest. Your your employees and your customers, they they they've seen it. Right. They know it. <laughs> right. So, and in, uh, in this ever more connected world, everyone it seems like everyone can pick up on it, right? 
That's now, I went rogue there a, a bit because I know we, uh, Enrique, we want to talk more about this research, right? Yes. No. And just to your earlier point, you can't really hide this days and the technology is going to, to really push this even more, right? So companies that have purpose and uh, go beyond profit as uh, Megan's organization uh, will just be more honest and perceived a little bit more authentic. And I think that that will get a very positive impact for them and their communities and their products they represent. So with that said, uh, Megan, I, I'm a huge fan of like TED Talks and listening to inspirational leaders. And it must be a, an amazing, interesting and fun job, the one that you have, having all these different conversations with CEOs and, uh, and the depth and information that you're extracting from that must be incredibly rich. So I, could you tell us a little more about the research? And that's one of the things that you could provide to this community, like the research of uh, not only in the CEO's mindset, which I would like you to focus on at the beginning. And then I'll ask you a little bit more about the, the employee side of things and what, what side of things and, and what you see in the uh, Georgia employee landscape. But for now, just that CEO mindset, a couple of uh, key takeaways from your research on, on CEO's perspective. Yeah, we have done an annual benchmark and we'll be going out into the field shortly with another on how to how how important is this to to CEOs and we've seen the trend year over year it's becoming more important to the CEO to find ways to operate generously they see it as more integral to the overall health of their business and in 2020 that came in clear when it came to responding to employee well-being we say often you know gen- generosity begins at home how you, right? Like how you treat your people on the inside needs to be a fundamental part prior, quite frankly, to how you uh, engage generously in the community. As long as those are aligned, you'll see great synergy. When they're not aligned, you, you see things start to break. Our founding ambassador, Frank Blake, talked about how he learned early at Home Depot, your employees are your absolute greatest brand ambassadors. If they know deeply from a day-to-day experience that your company is generous to them and caring to them, they will speak more loudly in their actions and deeds than any, you know, contribution externally or marketing campaign. So I think that's been a really big focus um, and shift that that I think will be real positive. Like you said, Scott, if we hang on to to that thread and and continue to kind of dig in on the generosity at home. No, that's definitely true. And it's very powerful. And it'll be even more uh, present and important as we go forward. Uh, At least that's my personal opinion and view on that. So how do you compare like the CEO's perspective with what the employees in the workforce are actually demanding or wanting? And not only the uh, younger people that are just recently graduating and uh, looking for new jobs, but like people that have probably been in the workforce for a while and they're looking to into this purpose uh, yep. cultures more um, critically. Yeah. You know, it, the poll we did last fall, it was, it was super interesting. Overall, there was super good news. They said they trust. Employees trust their employer. And honestly, they increasingly rely on the workplace as a source for their emotional and social well-being. 
There's less Mm. joining externally into civic groups, churches, and other institutions that there used to be. And so employees are actually looking for the workforce to fulfill some of that social emotional experience. That that's a that's a healthy shift for for CEOs to be managing, right? That's a different expectation. And what the survey showed was that employees rate empathy as a very high need and they see a gap in its demonstration. So there's an opportunity, right? This survey isn't saying that companies and employers aren't empathetic. What it's pointing to is that you may have a gap in the way you're demonstrating it. There may be a greater need to show your employees that you care. We had a a recent video series that we put out called um, Leaving a Thriving Workplace with Race in Mind. And the experts that we interviewed in there said, don't leave your employees to guess whether you're doing things. Be willing to communicate frequently and and tell them that things are in place, that you're thinking about it all the way to you're executing it. Don't leave them in the dark. They're super interested in communication. So what they said they wanted from companies is demonstrated care. They want a purpose that aligns their work with something bigger. Um, And they want companies that are actively addressing social and racial issues from their community. That's what they want from the company. And from individual leaders, they want more empathy, more visibility, and more accessibility. And interestingly, they they want to have the tough conversations at work. They don't want to shy up from them. That's we also learned from our video series. We all spend a significant amount of our lives at work. And right, so right. we're looking to have some of these conversations there. Demographically, you'll find 55-year-old plus, they actually trust the employers a little less in their responsiveness. So the youngers trust that companies are going to do well, but they are having higher expectations around the sense of purpose and connectivity that employers are supposed to bring to their lives. And you, um, Enrique at Vector, you know that so well. That's You all have purpose as sort of a grounding place for you. Yes. And again, I'm just super happy to be part of this amazing team. There's really nothing I do other than cheer them up. But uh, but no, <laughs> to your to your point, it's like very, very powerful, right? It's just demonstrate that you care, have some purpose or meaning be beyond profit, and then just actively addressing all this uh, injustices that we're facing, including uh, just Tra- human could be tra- human trafficking, racial injustices, and all these different things that, of course, last year made even more evident to everyone. Uh, so it's just it's it's going to be a very interesting years going forward. And uh, and if I may ask you, what's your take as we see all these different things unfold? And of course, the pandemic has highlighted this uh, to a point that I think is is obvious for everyone. It's uh, even harder to not have those tough conversations anymore. What's your take? Well, where do you think like the the next five, 10 years will look like? Where do you see the 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 workforce the workforce kind of heading and the CEOs kind of shifting? Yeah, it's been super exciting, honestly, in the last if the last two years are any indicator, honestly, a truly sustainable, profitable business is going to have to imagine how their business model impacts their people, 
how it impacts the broader community, how it impacts the planet, that if you're not looking long range, if you're not seeing what your long-term impact could be, you're missing what's already broken. And so your business won't be sustainable. It's not a matter of whether this is a priority or not. It's an actual business imperative. And I think that your employees, your customers and vendors, and, and they're all becoming more heightened to understand how you are operating in a way that has that positive impact. And then there's the whole other conversation around the trust and capitalism. We know it can be this incredible engine for good. Let's let's keep proving it or let's let's modify it and and show how it can be. And the good news is it it really is going to be the most profitable sustainable business you can have. It's again not an either or. It's about that powerful model that includes both. Thank you. Yeah, that's very, very powerful indeed, and uh, a fact, as you mentioned, in today's world. Agreed. You know, um, just speaking alone of, of sustainability and, and social change, if you look at study after study, much like your research findings are showing, you look at any other study out there, whether you're consumers or your investors or your team members, your employees, they all want companies to not just take a stand, but move the needle and take action take action, right? And as, as challenging of a time it is, it's a fascinating time. You know, we were talking earlier today on a live stream about re- the world of retail. We interviewed uh, John Gold with the National Retail Federation, which you know, is kind of the voice of retail. And it's just, just that sector alone and how it's responded to not just the need for change across all of those things we've all touched on, but the change of, of how consumer, you know, the changing consumer preferences. And for many retailers, it's been life or death, right? Although we, we went round around on this notion of the retail apocalypse. So that was, that was a fun conversation. But <laughs> let's, it's, it's really just a fascinating business and, and psychological time we live in. Hmm. Let's talk about empathy, though. Yeah. One of my favorite topics to talk about. And I bet with, I bet Christy and Enrique and Megan, I, I bet we're kindred spirits in that regard, because, you know, in this era of remote communication and, and Zooms coming out of our ears and all these video calls, dogs walking in backgrounds or hosts, <laughs> Enrique, hosts jumping up the staircase, to jump on that yep. live stream just in time, <laughs> or kids walking in. Mm-hmm. And those are just, you know, kind of humorous examples. But really, so many business leaders and organizations have gotten better about, as you said, really showing empathy, not just talking about it, not just you know, feeling empathetic, but really showing it. So in that end, um, any advice for our listeners, our business leaders that are listening, the organizations, you know, team members, you name it, any advice around being more empathetic in a very uh, demonstrable way? Yeah, you know, I really, I'll lean back in on the the research that we, that we did last fall, the empathy imperative, because it really, I think, it, I think it gives some great steps. One, spend some time around what your values are. What's your compass as a company? And how might that unearth your purpose? I love pointing out UPS. I mean, that's a hundred-year-old company, right? And they just reimagined their purpose statement, moving our world forward by delivering what matters most. That's good stuff, right? <laughs> that is good so stuff. That's yeah. good stuff. <laughs> 
So take a minute. What are your values as a company? What is your compass and how can that define your purpose that can galvanize your people and help them feel super connected to the core of your company? Again, I'll mention, remember, generosity starts at home. Think about the well-being. Listen, ask questions, check in. How are your people feeling? Check in often, not just once so that you can develop ways of caring for your employees on the inside. They are your community as much as the external community is, and they need to be aligned. Um, Your generosity at home needs to be as robust as your contributions back out to the community. We talked about it, communicate frequently. Don't leave your people imagining. Their imagination is not helpful. Let them know what you want to do, what you hope to do, what you plan to do, and then let them know when you did it communicate often, and then honestly, empower everybody to listen. One of the things the study talked about is is those direct managers, as much as that CEO, need to recognize the importance of listening and checking in with people. One of the things the survey talked about was the greatest point of, of concern around connectivity was between the employee and their manager. And so that's a great place to, you know, think about, yes, empathy from the top, but empathy from, from every layer. Uh, and how can you encourage that in your company? Love that. Uh, also, speaking of UPS, going back to your first point there, yeah. you know, that timeless saying they've got their uh, constructive dissatisfaction. I think that has a universe, certainly a universal um relevance in these days. So great example there. I love that, that newly recast uh, mission statement because yeah. it is to your, to use your words, really good stuff. And, and we, right. as a people, humanity needs more good stuff these days, right? Well, you think about it, right? Like how does that purpose statement help um, employees at all levels? Well, we're moving the world forward and we're delivering what matters most. So whether you're in a truck or you're working on the technology that supports the, the, the logistics, or you're the person you know, working on payroll or whatever, you can think about how your individual job activates that powerful purpose. So that's the amazing part of, of you know, a statement like that. It connects everybody to what's the, the larger good that that company can deploy. Well said, very well said, Megan, I love that. All right, so giving you a heads up, Christy and Enrique, I'm going to circle back in just a second and get, there's, there's about 18,000 nominees, I know, but what's the one favorite thing <laughs> that you've liked from Megan here today? So I want to give you all a heads up. But Megan, before we, we get their take, and I know Enrique has got about 27 pages of notes because I can see that little notebook. Yeah, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I, I know you too well. All right. So I'm going to get emails Megan, about all of those things later. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which I'll probably sh- should pace a little bit. Love yes. that. Well, that's why Christy's <laughs> helping me out. Awesome. So, Megan, uh, yeah. go beyond profit. What mm-hmm. are you've already shared a couple of different ways that, that our listeners can get engaged and, and be a part of what you're doing on so many different levels? But if, if there's any, any key thing we've missed, please share. And let's make sure folks know how to connect with you and go beyond profit. Awesome. No, I I just want to extend an invitation to every single business who has an intention and an aspiration to operate generously. Take the pledge. Be a part of this community, this alliance of your peers. 
that are looking for the ways on the journey. Nobody's perfect at this. Nobody has finished the, the journey. They're inspiring each other, learning from one another to imagine what it could look like in each business model. So we invite everyone to take the pledge and join and be recognized as a member of Go Beyond Profit and take advantage of the resources that we offer. You can look for us at gobeyondprofit.org. You can also, as I said, look for sort of daily, weekly resources at Go Beyond Profit on LinkedIn. And you're always welcome to reach out directly to me at info at gobeyondprofit.org for any questions. I'm very happy. Wonderful, Megan. I love that. I love just how easy y'all make it to powerfully connect with uh, the, the cool things you are doing, the meaningful things you're doing at Go Beyond Profit. So we're going to have to have you back. I think uh, Enrique and Christy, I don't know about y'all. Uh, I don't want to show all my cards here, but man, the Logistics with Purpose series is like built for leaders and organizations like Go Beyond Profit. Am I wrong? Yes. <laughs> no, that's absolutely right. And I think that this is going to be a really good, fun, and hopefully very meaningful partnership with you, Megan. So thank you very much. Agreed. All right, Megan, don't go anywhere yet because we're gonna, as, as we mentioned, we're going to talk about you as if you weren't in the, the Zoom room here. <laughs> Chris, I will start with you. We're going to make sure folks know how to connect with the Vector team. But what's what was your favorite part about what Megan shared here today? Well, I think one thing I would love for Megan to address before she hops off with us is we've talked, it's a very Georgia-centric organization mm-hmm. at this point, but one of the things that she and I and her team have had discussions with offline are just keeping in mind that no matter, because this is obviously a worldwide um, audience with this podcast and everything. And so just keeping in mind there, a lot of the studies and things that they do are reflective of a global community and what, how the world is shifting in general. So I think it's still wise for if you're not in Georgia to go ahead and check out their studies and check out their materials and their thought leadership, because it's, it's important no matter where you're located. And I think just having been a member of the community for several years now, just as a solopreneur, like she talked about, you know, I go to these (laughs) events and things and they're like, I know you have like, you know, half a million employees. And I was like, plus one, you know, I was (laughs) in the back. And so, but it was, I just was very appreciative and loved the fact that I can learn from them as a person who had just my own business of just me and how it was, you were able to take the pledge, like we've talked about and make this commitment. And while I love B Corp certifications and all of these things, they were just sort of out of my reach as a solopreneur and, you know, and as a small business like Vector is and having, you know, had my own and everything like that. I just love how approachable they are and how open they are to, you know, whatever you have to give at any level is good enough. And we're going to get you to the next level. And we're going to keep reiterating why it's important and how you can do better and all these people that you can learn from. And so I just always loved the approachability of it. And their team is so gracious and responsive and great to network with and just talk to and have good conversations with. So that's, that's one thing that she's reiterated over and over again in this conversation is just, it's a pledge. We're taking you at your word and, you know, we'll teach you how to get better and be better and different things that you can do. But wherever you're ready to join the conversation, you can join the conversation. Well said. Great point to make there. Megan, did you want to add something there? I mean, that was just phenomenal. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Yes. And I would say to, to Christy's point, everything that we write about, everything that we do, first of all, our companies have global footprints. They may right. you know, have a number of employees in Georgia or have an office in Georgia, but they are global. Few, Very few companies don't have broad global footprints thanks to technology. So it's always applicable. 
And I hope any company that hears this would just please take advantage of the resources. They are, they are at no cost to you. If we could imagine helping a company anywhere in the world extend their generosity in the way they operate, we're all in. Awesome. Love that. Uh, all right, Enrique, what was your one favorite thing here? <laughs> well, I had many, uh, Megan, as I already proved by showing my notebook a little bit. But uh, no, I, I will go with one of the first things that you said that made an impact on you. And this is for, for the uh, Secretary of Transportation, Bill Coleman, correct? And I think that you said something like he truly believed that the professional lives can be about changing the world, not just a side project. And, and I think... For me, that's very powerful. I think a lot of companies take social responsibility as an add-on so, to their company. So this is what we do. And by the way, we have this social responsibility area that's really cool and nice. And uh, we use it as our marketing vehicle. And that's just not going to be the future. I mean, if companies think like that, they're just going to go bankrupt, clearly. <laughs> so uh, there's no other way of saying it. If you really think of those things as a nice thing to have so you can speak at parties and whatever then you're just you're just up for for a big surprise in the next couple of years so i'll i'll stay with that one <laughs> so you're throwing down the apocalypse gauntlet <laughs> in is that right well, unless unless you change your strategy and actually become a purpose-driven organization and go beyond profit so you can continue to generate profits because again it's not about and and megan probably saw it with all the conversations that she's had with the ceos it's not about just handing out money left and right. It's about using this as a vehicle to generate more profits that you can in turn turn into more positive uh, causes and, and helping each other out. So the more the more you give, the more you get, basically. So well said. And you know, Enrique, you're the same person whether you're on the podcast or for its quick sidebar. I'm sure Christy can attest to that. That voice that we just heard there is, is heard on, on every meeting, strategic planning session, you name it. So I, I really appreciate that level of authenticity. So it's just easier to be the same person. It is. Always. <laughs> <laughs> I have a terrible memory. So for me, it just works wonders. I mean, I don't have to. Uh, Love it. Love it. All right. So no, thanks to Megan. Yeah. Big thanks to Megan and, and Megan McCamey, president of Go Beyond Profit. Uh, folks, you can learn more at gobeyondprofit.org. It sounds like a, uh, they've got a very vibrant LinkedIn community too. Lots of resources and members. So sounds like some great networking and content there. So Megan, again, big thanks. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, you bet, of course, big thanks to Christy Porter and Enrique Alvarez with Vector Global Logistics. I couldn't imagine better partners on this Logistics with Purpose series. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. All right. And Enrique, really quick, uh, Supply Chain Now in Espanol is just around the corner, right? Just around the corner. So um, Scott convinced me to host a new Supply Chain Now podcast called Supply Chain Now in Espanol. And I'm going to be happy and delighted to help out again. It's just going to be fun. And we'll be talking about uh, different supply chain aspects in Latin America that, uh, that I'm sure are going to be very interesting for for everyone in that region of the world and then also around the world as it affects everyone and as the world continues to shrink. So agreed. And I'm, I imagine it's going to be filled with purpose as well in those conversations. So I'm looking forward to that. Big thanks, Enrique and Chris with Vector Global Logistics. Hey, to our uh, listening audience out there, hopefully you all have enjoyed this conversation as much as we have. 
If you like conversations like this, be sure to check us out at supplychainnow.com. Find us wherever you get your podcasts from. On behalf of the entire team here, Scott Luton wishing all of our listeners nothing but the best. Hey, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. Be just like Bill Coleman. And on that note, we'll see you next time here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.